Welcome to the Round Rock Church of Christ Teaching Podcast. We're a faith community located in the central Austin area that gathers at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope this teaching blesses you as we become spirit-filled and spirit-led Jesus followers for those who do not have a home. Good morning. I'll be reading from Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. We all say amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and do what only you can do. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and do what only you can do. Let's sing that again. Come, Holy Spirit, come. It's our prayer today. Come and Amen. Y'all can be seated. If we have not met yet, my name is Zane. I'm the preaching minister here, and I want to just let everyone know that I'm thankful uh, to be back with you in continuing a series that we call Filled and Led. This language comes from a journey that we started back in August where we wanted to focus for the next three years on becoming Jesus followers who are spirit-filled and spirit-led for those who do not have a home or do not know that they can be at home with God. And one of the reasons this is our focus for the next couple years is because this was the journey of Jesus. Luke, the gospel writer, tells us that when Jesus gets ready to accept the mission of God, 
He enters the waters of baptism and the Holy Spirit descends on him. And as he exits the waters of baptism, Luke tells us that he does everything as he is filled and led by the Spirit to do everything that God has set before him. And this is the invitation to all those who surrender their life to Jesus. When we exit the waters of baptism, we can ask and partner with the Holy Spirit. So when we ask the Spirit to fill us, what we're praying and asking for is for the Spirit of God to mature us, to deepen us, to intensify our devotion to Jesus. And over these past two weeks, we've talked about not only what's it look like to be spirit-filled, but also to be spirit-led. And today I want to unpack how spirit-led people help lead people to Jesus. In other words, I want to talk about what does it look like not to share in life with Jesus, but actually what does it look like to just share about Jesus and your life? And how do we do this in a way that doesn't feel guilt-inducing? In a way that isn't like there's one more thing that's on my plate that I should be doing, but I'm not doing right now. How do we partner with the Spirit of God in leading people to Jesus? And to do that this morning, we need to turn to our passage. Uh, if you've been with us, we are reflecting on moments in the book of Acts. And if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd encourage you to turn to Acts. It's right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, kind of the last third of the Bible. And also, I just want to assure you, if you are new to the Bible or new to the faith, uh, we're going to display the words up on the screen. So no worries if you not know where to look for that. Um, I, I was telling a couple of members, it is, it's just, it's a nightmare how many great stories we're just leaving behind right now as we go through the book of Acts. But chapter 9 is where we're going today. And this is uh, a chapter in which you just heard Lindsay uh, read a portion of that gives us one of our first images of what it looks like to be a disciple that is spirit-led. If you want to start in verse 10 with me. So in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him, said, Ananias. He said, yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on this straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, I want to stop us just in verse 10 and 11 because there's already a word of encouragement that is just waiting for us this morning. The first thing is that, you know, a spirit-led disciple listens for the invitations of Jesus. And what should be encouraging to all of us when we immediately hear that it's Ananias who hears this message from God, that he's the one who hears and sees. The good news of that is that the Holy Spirit, God is inviting everyone to partner in what he is doing. As the gospel is spreading in the book of Acts, by the time you get to chapter 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10, you're moving away from some of the stories of the most well-known named 
disciples of Jesus. And now you're starting to move into the stories of people who we don't know very much about their name. As a matter of fact, if you were reading all the way through the book of Acts, you'd be like, who is Ananias? Who is this guy? And as soon as he gets on the scene, he leaves us quick off of the scene as well. You see the Spirit starting to work through names of people that are less familiar, like Philip and Ananias and Cornelius. Until this story, we haven't even heard of this guy. It's almost like Luke's way of nudging us and saying, as the gospel spreads, the Spirit is going to work through everyone that is open and receptive and follows the name of Jesus and wants other people to follow the name of Jesus. In a way, this is kind of like Luke's guy with a sign. Do you know about the guy with the sign? Dude with the sign, guy with the sign. He is this phenomenon that has taken the world by storm. He basically, no one knows his name very much. He just goes around and he takes pictures with different signs. And why he's become popular is he says things that everyone thinks, but no one actually says out loud in public. So he says things like, stop asking for my credit card for uh, info for free trials. Uh, stop showing the whole movie in the trailers, which I say amen to. Uh, stop honking as soon as the light turns green. I mean, he is becoming well known, but many people don't know his name. They just know him as dude with the sign. By the way, his name is Seth, if you are wondering. Ananias is Luke's guy with a sign. The first encouraging thing as a Jesus follower is that it is not on you to initiate the work of God. God is already up to something in the world. And the good news is, is that the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you in that work in the world. The Holy Spirit is not extra credit for a Jesus follower. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the Jesus master class. You do not have to be special for the Holy Spirit to work through you. You simply need to desire to partner with God in sharing the good news of Jesus. In other words, the Spirit's work is not for someone who's above average, but is for every follower of Jesus. And in the beginning of the story, all it takes for Ananias is he needs to be attentive, in tune, and receptive to what Jesus desires. And in this instant of invitation, Jesus comes to Ananias in a vision. And he paints for him what he desires. Now, as you go throughout the scriptures, God sometimes works and talks through visions. Particularly when God works through visions, God is either pointing in a new direction or he is revealing to God's people an unexpected way he's going to work. And in this situation, this is a very unexpected way that God is going to work because the least expected person would be Saul of Tarsus. If you were flipping through the earlier parts of Acts, you would learn quickly that Saul is not one who's looking for Jesus. He's one that's actually trying to stomp out anyone who follows Jesus. 
Just before in chapter 8, we're actually told that Saul is present in one of the first martyrs for Jesus. And then we're even told at the beginning of chapter 9 that Saul was actually threatening to kill any of the Lord's followers. He wanted to arrest them and take them to Jerusalem to put them on trial. In other words, and don't miss this description. In other words, Saul is intelligent. Saul knows his stuff. Saul is powerful. Saul is resourceful in persecuting Jesus. And God gives Ananias a vision and says, Him. Him. And even Ananias is very realistic. He's honest. Even in verse 13, he's like, Lord, thanks for the vision. Uh, but uh, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all those who call on your name. And the Lord said to him, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people, I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. In other words, Ananias says, Lord, do you know the reputation of this guy? And the Lord says, I know. And I have plans for him. It's as if the Lord is saying, I have plans of union, of partnership, of purpose for him. The Lord calls our name because he looks for union and partnership and purpose with us. If you do not know God this morning, one of the things I want you to hear is that the Lord of heaven and earth desires union and partnership and purpose for you. Did you know that the Lord desires to save you because He has saved something for you? Do you know that the Lord wants intimate connection, daily union with you? For some of us who even know the Lord, we need to hear the Lord has purposes specifically for you. Not just broad scope ideas of life. You believe this historical idea, then you should probably do a couple of things. No, Jesus calls your name and he wants to call other people's name through you. That's his purpose that he has for you. Saul doesn't know it yet, but the Lord desires for Ananias to be the guy with the sign. God desires for you to be the guy with the sign. It's not all on you. You just simply point to the one who saves. And this is why it's so crucial for us to do internal work, to know the external work that God wants for us. Because if we can't discern what the Spirit is doing inside of us, it becomes difficult to discern what the Spirit is doing outside in the world. Because every day you wake up, there are invitations to join the Spirit of God in pointing to Jesus Christ. 
Let me make this profound point with a little bit less profound of an illustration. Have we seen the movie Moana? Have we seen this bad boy? As if Disney has not given us enough catchy songs that people sing to our ears bleed, they keep on just pumping out different stories. And one of them that was really popular was uh, the story of Moana. And I want you to listen closely to the story our society is still telling us. If you haven't uh, heard this story before, it's basically, uh, this is, uh, spoiler alert, Moana, and uh, she is on this journey, she senses she has this purpose to return this stone to a particular uh, island, which if you're a Disney fan, you're like, you just butchered that plot, but just stay with me, okay? Um, and she is to go on this journey, and she cannot do this journey alone. So the whole story is also about other people joining her in this story, one of them uh, being Maui, and he is uh, one of the people that helps her return the stone. And all throughout the story of the stone, listen carefully, all throughout the story of the stone, Moana cannot return the stone on her own without the help of the ocean. All throughout the story, there is this ocean that's at work behind the scenes that's providing direction, that's providing invitation, that is bringing people together, that is pointing to the next steps that need to be. Isn't it funny in our society that some of the most popular stories are still some of the same instincts of God's story? Ike Miller was the one that pointed this out to me in a lot of ways. Like it's a story that's just trying to copy what the story of the spirit of God has been doing all the time. And we can talk about the theological problems of God being like water and all of that. But set that aside for today. The point that I'm trying to make is that our world and our society longs to be guided, longs to be invited, longs to see purpose. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that the Holy Spirit directs, invites, and animates our steps if we are open to his direction. What the Lord points out to Ananias is that God is working on both sides of the story. Are we cognizant that God is working on both sides of our story and also other people's story. I mean, literally, he says, as you're receiving this word from me, Saul is also receiving, uh, receiving a word from me, an invitation from me. Every single day that we wake up, the Spirit of God can give us invitations if we are open to how the Spirit wants to nudge us, or in other words, we use the word prompt us. And the scriptures show us that this happens in a multiplicity of ways. You know, last week, Matt talked about how like scripture is one of the essential, most foundational ways that the Lord speaks to us, but also in prayer and through others and through situations and through nature and through sacraments, through dreams and through impressions. The Lord invites us. The Lord is working on our story and is also working on other people's story. And it's what the Lord directs Ananias to do that leads us kind of to the second thing that I want us to hear in sharing Jesus. Spirit-led disciples share what they've shared with Jesus. And this may be one of the most comforting things 
If you hear people throw out the word like evangelism, or you hear people talk about sharing Jesus and you're like, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. I want us to pay attention to Acts 9 verse 15. Here's what Ananias has asked to do. Uh, so he left and he went to the house. He saw Saul. He placed hands on him. He told Saul that the Lord had sent him. He's the same one that's appeared to you. Once you be able to see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when this happens with Saul, there is no justifying Jesus. There is no defending Jesus. There is no proving Jesus. All Ananias is doing is he's simply sharing what he has shared with Jesus. If you find yourself lost at sharing Jesus with people, one of the easiest places to start is just to share what you've shared with the Lord, what you have. You know, I, um, I, five or six years ago when I was in West Texas, I was in a season of my life where uh, I prayed for uh, just more friends in my life who did not know the Lord. Um, and I guess I didn't expect the Lord to answer that prayer, and he did. And one of those friends that I actually uh, came in contact was uh, one of the friends that uh, cuts my hair every single week. And uh, I remember as I was praying and walking through the season, um, I remember that the Spirit of God kept making it very apparent that I was to share what I had experienced with Jesus with the person who cuts my hair. Um, and the Lord was uh, very particular that I needed to do this, so much so that at one point, uh, my barber literally said to me, he goes, you know, have you ever thought about how weird you are? And uh, I said, I, I think about that every day, to be honest with you. I really do. People tell me all the time. And he goes, no, 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 I'm serious. Like, have you just noticed that, like, there's, like, something inside you that's just hopeful? I mean, just laid out table, right? Laid out table. You know what I said to him? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty weird. And I moved on with my life. <laughs> because, especially for Zane, where I come from a very heady background, I think I need to know all the information before I share Jesus with someone. I need to be able to answer questions like, you know, like what's the historical proof for Jesus that you're talking about? Why is there two creation stories in the Bible? What's Christians hang up with marriage and sex? What's up with that? Like, I think I gotta be able to answer all those questions if I'm gonna bring up Jesus to someone. And really, what the Lord needed me to do is not share more information. What the Lord just needed me to do is just share my transformation. How hard is it for me to just say, you know, I think that thing that you're describing in me, I think it's because I've met God. And I've met God through Jesus. And I've actually found that Jesus' promises are very real and evident in my life. And Jesus kind of really helped me make sense of my world. And here's a couple of ways that that is. Tell me about yours. Like sometimes we overcomplicate it and we think that we've got to explain, we got to like prove, we got to justify Jesus when really what some people need is they just need us to share the name of Jesus and what he's doing in our lives. Jesus is the great reversal. His name alone 
is powerful. Luke even hints at this. He's like, just go say my name. Just go point to what I'm doing. Literally, if you're in your Bibles, I would encourage you to underline this. In verse 15, this is Luke being so strategic with his words. He literally says, you know, Ananias says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you seen all that he has done in your name? And then literally the Lord flips it in verse 16. And he says, I will show him how much he has to do and endure for carrying my name. He's reversing the order of the name. It's the gospel over and over and over again. The name of Jesus reverses things. Jesus reverses our longing and can give us satisfaction. Jesus can reverse our aches that we have in the world because he says there's a new heaven and new earth that's coming. Jesus can reverse our lives of emptiness and give us purpose and wholeness. Jesus can reverse guilt and shame by naming you son and daughter of the great high king. The name Jesus, I'm preaching this morning. I don't know if y'all are with me, but I'm here. The name of Jesus can reverse an overwhelmed life and can bring centering to our life. You don't need to explain everything. You just need to be able to point to what you share with Jesus. And trust that the Spirit can do things with that. Jesus was willing to risk His life for us to know that. And we can risk a little bit of ourselves in sharing with people what's going on. And that's the last thing I want to just remind us of is that spirit-led disciples take risk for Jesus. You know, Ananias, he's extremely honest of how big of a risk that it is. It's not metaphorical, the danger. It is literal danger for Ananias. But in his obedience, in his obedience, he risked for the Lord to do something in someone's life. And Ananias, he gets a front row seat. Verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength and he spent several days with the disciples there. Don't miss it. Ananias risk. Saul's trajectory of his life changes. But also, Ananias gets a front row seat to seeing the powerful work of God. If we want to follow the Holy Spirit's lead, at some point we're going to be asked to risk. You know, I think we're going to get asked to risk in three particular ways in our lives. If we truly want to depend on the Spirit, I think the first is that we're going to have to risk our routines that we have. I think we're going to have to, we're actually going to have to let go of some routines we have in our life. And I think we also have to establish some routines. By establish, I just simply mean if we want the Spirit to lead us, we've got to spend time at the feet of Jesus listening for His invitations in our lives. I know it's super tempting, and I wrestle through it every morning, but the first thing I'm doing when I roll out of bed is I'm scrolling or I'm checking the news or I'm watching TV, 
I'm not listening for what the voice of God may want me to hear and be attentive to for the morning. And then the saying is, we've got to let go of some routines of when the Spirit like nudges us or prompts us, we have to be willing to be like, okay, I've got a day, I've got it planned. I'm preaching to myself at this point, but I've got a day, Zane has a day planned, but the Lord may have something different. And I have to be willing to let that go a little bit. I guess maybe one way to kind of check this in your life is if you have that moment where you feel a nudge and you're like, hmm, I wonder if I should risk or I should step out or I should say something. And immediately in your mind you go, I don't know if I have the time for that today. We should ask again and make sure that we're not trying to use that as I don't have time as a cover up instead of actually being obedient in that moment. Saying is, we'll have to risk our reputation at times. Like what Ananias does is not popular in the midst of people. And we have to ask as Jesus followers, are we willing to be seen differently? And are we also willing to see others differently? You know, Ananias is honest about what Saul is like and who he is. But the Lord says, this is what I see in Saul. Can we be willing to see what the Lord sees, not what we hear about people? Are we willing to see what God sees in our neighbor who's different from us, from those who are in different countries than us, from people at our work that are rivals or annoyances to us, from people, can we see the way God sees people of different faith and background? Can we see people differently than titles like political conservative or political progressive? Can we see the way God sees people? Will we risk our reputation for it? And then finally, will we risk our self-reliance? You know, will we be able to follow in the footsteps of the Bible? Like most of the people who we see in the Bible are publicly somewhat foolish for the glory of God. I'm going to build a massive boat because a flood's coming. Huh? Like we have to be willing to put ourselves out there. And hear me, I'm not equating faithfulness as craziness. Sometimes craziness is just craziness. Like we need to ask when things come to, come to us of like, is this affirming? Is this in the trajectory of the Bible? Is this going to point towards Jesus? And if those things are true, then sometimes we have to take risk. We have to put ourselves out there. I don't have a book, chapter, verse for this other than it's just my small amount of years I've lived on this planet. But it seems like there's some sort of correlation between maturity and risk. That at some point for the Lord to mature us, the Lord is going to ask us to risk more and more. Simply because if it's always my finances or my power or my status or my influence, then I don't ever really get to know the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, last, last piece in the text I just want us to have eyes on is I want us to have eyes on how often Ananias uses the term Lord. It's actually one of the smallest nuggets in the passage that has the biggest impact. When Ananias addresses 
Jesus, he always addresses him as Lord. This is why in our baptism, you hear before we baptize someone, we ask the question, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? We always have deep eyes on Savior. We got that one. But Lord, we don't always have as much. And when we confess Jesus as Lord, what we are ultimately saying, what we're agreeing to is we're saying, I trust you more than I trust myself with my life. In other words, I will be obedient even when my desires or my instincts don't match up with yours, Lord. Even though everyone else says I should not forgive them, I'm going to explore what it looks like to forgive them. Even though I would love to dedicate more of my finances in different ways, I'm going to give a portion of my income to the Lord's people. I know I could spend my time in a lot of different ways, but I'm going to trust that I need to weekly be in tune with God's people. The bottom line is the Lord wants yes from us. You know, I uh, occasionally, from time to time, probably every other week, I tell a story um, from my uh, marriage. And uh, I had a lady a couple weeks ago walk up to me, and uh, she, she said, I just love it when you tell stories about your wife. I said, oh, really? Like, you love that? Why do you love that? And she goes, well, I just love when you tell them because she's always so right and you're always so wrong. <laughs> It's true. I've learned, I've learned a lot from marriage. That is, that is for sure. One thing that I have learned is um, how to respond to my spouse. Uh, when I was early on in marriage, uh, my spouse would say these things like, hey, could you do me a favor? And, you know, being one, two, three years in, I was like, absolutely. What do you want me to do for you? And then after being sent on several massive, you know, projects and different things of doing, I've learned now. That when I get asked the question, hey, could you do something? My response is, it depends. What is it you want me to do? I guess the bottom line I'm trying to say to you is that the Lord wants the inverse from our lives. When the Lord prompts us, he does not want the response from us to be like, it depends. What is it? What the Lord wants is what God's people have responded over and over again in the scriptures. Yes, Lord. Absolutely. What is it? Send me. So Lord, uh, we pray, can you help us to be obedient this week? Can you help us to see the invitations that you have in front of us? Lord, can you give some of us a heart for the people who don't know you. Can you help us to see who is on your radar that's not on our radar? And can you give us a deep desire to follow your invitations and desire your promises? It's in your name we pray. Amen.